You know, it's, uh, it's my favorite time of the year. It's a season where there's just candy everywhere, essentially being given out for free. And uh, I mean, first and foremost, shameless plug that if you haven't signed up for our Trunk or Treat event coming up here on October 24th, we would love for you to do so. You can go to our website, find out more, grab a friend, bring some candy, show our compassion to our community. Now, I love Halloween because I have two little kids, which means I get the dad tax on basically anything that they get. And I, I'm curious about you. What is your favorite? favorite candy that you just could almost eat every single day without stopping. You know, you might be one of those Reese's peanut butter cup people. You like the mixture, but I don't want to start any debates, but isn't like the pumpkin a little bit better than the original? You know, sorry, but I just, I'm going to go there. You might be more of a traditional person. Just give me the straight Hershey's chocolate. That's all I need. You might be someone who, well, I like something a little crunchy. Give me some nuts or, or maybe something a little non-traditional, a hundred grand or a Butterfinger, the things we don't see quite as much as we used to. Maybe it's something kind of off the wall, the Smarties, the Dots, the Sour Patch Kids. I don't know, but don't you just love candy? And it's interesting though, because candy is something I want to start off this morning by making a parallel to our lives. Because here's the thing about candy, all right, is that candy isn't really that bad for you, right? We'd probably say, yeah, I'd be better off if I never ate it, but a little bit of candy is okay. In fact, some people will tell you some sugar or glucose or some carb going into a workout or throughout your day is actually very helpful. But we all know that if all you did is just sat here and just ate candy all day, even though it's good and it's not terrible for you, if you have an unhealthy relationship with candy, then it's eventually going to wear you out. And here's where I want to start this morning, is I believe that candy is kind of like a representation of our life. That every single thing that is good, it's sweet, it gives us that little hit of sugar. It's kind of like our life at times, isn't it? We're busy, and so we go from work to that event, to that show, to that game, to that outing, to, the, to the, that gathering, and we just kind of go and go and go, and we start to string together just a bunch of sugar highs, hoping to make it. But at some point, it catches up to us, doesn't it? At some point, the sugar high wears off and we're left a little bit out of gas. Because here's the truth. You and I know this, and we might not want to admit it, but it's true, is that if we are always on the go, even with the good things, we're still going to run out of gas, right? If you're always on the go, thing to thing, place to place, event to event, game to game, if you're always on the go, you will still run out of gas, even if it's good things. And when we begin to run out of gas, something happens is we begin to compromise. We give up sleep to work more. We give up family time to finish that project. We give up church to kind of catch up on life. And as we've been going through this teaching series here the last week, this is week two, called Chasing Purpose, we've been chasing this idea of what our purpose as Christians is to do, and that is to do good that glorifies God. And if you'll let me this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about something a little bit that might catch us off guard. It's what I believe is the number one reason or the number one thing that might hinder us in chasing good that glorifies God. And it's this, rest. When you hear that word, when you see that word, when you read that word, what comes to mind when I say the word rest? Perhaps you think about that vacation where you dig your toes into the sand. Maybe it's uh, getting that extra couple hours of sleep coming up here soon, that fallback of time. 
Maybe it's reading that nice book next to a cozy fire. Maybe it's that quiet morning on the porch with that fresh cup of coffee. But here's the thing, rest is more than just sleeping or catching a vacation. That rest is a holistic thing that we are called to do as followers of Jesus. That it requires slowing down and catching our breath so that we can consider, is my life heading in the right direction that God has laid out before me? And as people, myself, I'm convinced of this, and perhaps you too, a little convicted, it's this, is that we don't rest well. You see, we live in a society and a culture where we glorify the overworker, the overachiever. Busyness becomes this badge of honor that we wear. We don't rest well. Everyone's a little tired. Everyone's a little sleep deprived. And more often than not, I believe that that, uh, that lack of rest isn't necessarily because we're working, 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 but because it's of all of the candy, all of the good stuff we're trying to squeeze and jam pack our schedules full. Because here's the thing, doing more isn't going to offer you a less busy life. At the same time, being lazy isn't necessarily rest either. So let's turn to the life of Jesus this morning to learn and hopefully apply what true rest looks like. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, first four books in the New Testament. There's a great chance to download that app, follow along with us. If you grab the note sheet, you can get that out and take notes. We value and prize a growing faith, and one of the best ways to do that is listen along with the sermons, prepare for your group, as well as use that content that we provide for the rest of the week to dig into the word of God. Luke chapter, or sorry, Mark chapter four, starting in verse 35, follow along with me. It says this, it says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, this is Jesus, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, he took them along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with them. A furious squall or a storm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? You know, this is one of those passages I find peculiar about Jesus. He's kind of in between this moment. He had told these parables. This is what it means to have an amazing, growing, booming faith, a faith like a mustard seed. He's just kind of then about to go heal a demon-possessed man. So he's crossing over. He's moving from one area to next in the Sea of Galilee. He's teaching. He's preaching. He's healing everything. The crowds are following him. And then we get this story. We get this notion that here's Jesus sleeping. See, all throughout Jesus's three years of his ministry, we notice something peculiar about Jesus, is that Jesus was never in a hurry. See, Jesus accomplished a lot, didn't he? He taught a lot, he healed a lot of people, he did a lot of amazing, miraculous things, but he was never in a hurry. He never said, hurry up guys, we got to get to the next place. He never was seen running. Jesus was never in a hurry. You see, if I'm one of Jesus' disciples, if I'm that kind, I'm like, come on, Jesus, stop this storm. We got places to be. We got people to heal. We got things to take care of. You got sermons to preach. And Jesus is like, nah, that's cool. It's nap time, bro. I need a rest. Don't you think like if there was anyone who said, you know, I should probably minimize the amount of rest I get try to maximize how much I can get out of a day, minimize how much I need to sleep. Wouldn't it be Jesus? He was here for only three years. 
I shouldn't waste a single moment trying to fulfill this purpose. Yet Jesus was never in a hurry. He never ran anywhere, but he often retreated, napped, and he rested quite a bit. And you know, isn't, isn't that like a little bit different than you and I? Don't we kind of sometimes view life a little bit in the opposite? See, I'm a firm believer that there's two types of people who go on vacations. There's the one group of people who said, all right, we're going on vacation. Let's pack the schedule full. Let's, uh, you know, we got to go to all the sites, do all the things. And every single minute is planned and we got to make it work. And then on the other side, you have the other people who are like, yo, I don't want to lift a finger. Now, I'm not saying one is right or one is wrong, but what I kind of see that we, some of us do is life is kind of like these oranges at times, isn't it? Is, is this idea that we think that the goal of life is to squeeze as much as we can out of life. And we squeeze and we pack our schedules, even when we're supposed to be resting sometimes. We're trying to get as much out of it. But here's the thing. At some point, there's not any juice left. At some point... We're kind of out of energy or things to do or our ability to keep up. And if you try to keep squeezing, you end up getting some of that rind and some of that bitterness begins to seep into life. You see, you and I, we don't, we don't rest incredibly well because we are limited. We are like that orange You and I, we are limited to the point of the things that we do. We need to rest. We need to sleep. You are limited. You are not a machine. You cannot just go, 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 and never crash and burn. You are limited. And let me tell you that that is okay. It is okay that you are limited, and it's okay to rest. Look at how Jesus talks about this call to rest in the life of the disciple. Flip over with me in the gospel of Mark to the left about a a chapter or so. In uh, Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28, look at how Jesus describes the intentionality of the day of rest. It's called the Sabbath. It says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said, and this is the part I want you to pay attention to. He said, the Sabbath was not made for, uh, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. See, that word Sabbath, the Hebrew word Shabbat, uh, refers to the day of rest. We get it from uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. God has finished creating the world and everything in it. He worked for six days, and then it said he rested on the seventh day. Think about that for a moment. The sovereign creator of the universe, the one who gives us life in our lungs, the omnipresent, the omnipotent, the omnificent, the ever-present creator of the universe who never sleeps. Yet, God still rested. And notice, though, that God rested after he worked. That's because of this, is that we were created to rest well because we were created to work hard. Adam and Eve, they were given that first assignment 
take care of the land, work hard. You and I today, do good that glorifies God. Make a living, take care of yourself and your community and those around you, but then you need to rest well. You see, what rest does is it reminds you and I that we are so much more than what we do, that your value as a person is so much greater than that number in that bank account, that your influence as a human being far surpasses those likes or follows that we sometimes chase. And so for the life and for faith, it's a summation that's more about who you are becoming more so than what you are trying to accomplish. And yet, what do we do? We go from one thing to the next, squeezing everything out of life. We, we think to ourselves, well, rest, I'll rest when I'm dead. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Rest is for the weak. Well, in order for me to be someone, well, I can't slow down. I can't stop if I'm going to catch up or get ahead. Then unless I provide every opportunity for my kids or family, that sport, that trip, that thing, that event, then I'm kind of failing as a parent or as a husband or as a father or as a friend that I will fall behind if I just don't always hit the gas. Now, there's something a little bit interesting, though, that I found in, in my study for this week about how days broke down in the ancient Jewish tradition. So Jesus, his followers, everyone perceived, this is how they thought of a day, is that a day did not begin at sun up, rather the day began at sundown. So whether that there was a normal day or the Shabbat, the Sabbath, the day of rest, it was sundown to sundown, not sun up to sun up. What signifies is that we begin our day resting. Because while we are resting, God is at work. He is holding things together, not us, him. And then when we rise in the morning, get this, get this, get this, this is part that I just was like, oh, this is so good. When we rise in the morning, because the day has already begun, because God has not stopped working, when we rise in the morning, we catch up with God. We say, God, what have you been up to? What have you been working on? How can I play a role in that? Instead of saying, God, I'm up. Now come into my day. You see, even our days, the way we view rest is to remind us that we are limited and God is not. Your life is kind of like a bucket. There's only so much you can do. There's only so much that you can hold and that is okay. You see, you and I, we are limited. And in one sense, we're, we're limited to save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves, establish eternal life based on our work, our effort, our accomplishment. We are limited because of our sin. And so therefore, we need the work of a gracious God on our behalf. You and I, we're, we're, we're limited in how much control and outcomes we have in things in life. You and I cannot control everything. Rather, we have a sovereign Lord who is always watching over us. And certainly... You and I, we are limited in our energy. We need to rest. We need to sleep because we don't hold things together. The world doesn't revolve around you and I. It revolves around God. So what does it mean to actually rest? Turn with me over uh, one gospel to the gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter five, there's this interesting moment that I want to pull something out of. It's not so much a here's five quick definitions of rest or easy steps that Jesus gets. But I want to show you something here in Luke chapter 5 verses 12 through 16. It says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy, meaning he had spots and, and uh, kind of rashes all over himself. 
When he saw Jesus, he fell to his face on the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And here's the part. Think about what happens next in this moment. Yet the news about him, the the man with leprosy who had been healed, spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. See, Jesus doesn't say, all right, guys, I got to go do my five steps of rest. Think about this for a moment. A man with leprosy who's probably been an outcast, has been kicked aside, he's been left out to dry by the entire society, comes in here, and the news gets out. And people start to come and they want to hear this man talk. They want to see it again. Probably other people with leprosy or other ailments coming. There's more good to be done. And Jesus says, no, not right now. I need to withdraw. I need to disconnect. I need to rest. It was time to rest. I think Jesus has given us this point is that unless we withdraw, we wither. That unless we disconnect, we drown. Now I'm not saying you need to go find a mountaintop and, and, and get all the way to the top and sit and pray for days or weeks at a time. But I do want to ask you, when was the last time you withdrew? When was the last time you disconnected from work, email, social media, and even, even life itself, disconnected from crafting that image or pursuing those goals or getting that project done? When was the last time you actually disconnected in a way that brought you rest? See, I believe that we don't need to just disconnect from work. We need to also disconnect from life. Because if you're always on the go, you will still run out of gas. And something that I'm learning, my family, we are learning, is that we might not just at times have an unhealthy relationship with work. I've been there. I have kind of that disposition. But I think we also can, well, have an unhealthy definition and unhealthy relationship with rest. We might disconnect from work well, but when we close the door on the work, we open the door to all that life has to offer. We open up to all of the schedules and all the things, but without pace, without rest, we become less productive. You see, did you know that, that everything in life is somewhat connected? You know, there's studies that tell us that uh, while your body is fighting an infection, your brain actually processes 20% slower. When you have immense stress in your life, even though it might be a mental thing or something internally, you might actually experience true physical pain of the head or the neck or the back. Here's what I believe happens for us. We might be good at kind kind of keeping work with work, but do we also have an unhealthy Well, relationship with rest at times. Because every time you say yes to something in life, your life is going to slowly leak, right? And that could be good things. It could be great things. It could be seeing that family. It could be taking that trip, going to that tournament, whatever it is. But if we never disconnect from all the things in life and we just continue to say yes to all that life has to offer, the good things, the candy, the 
the, the sports. Every time we say yes, every time we sign up for that next event, every time we say we're going to go on that trip, take another weekend and just fill it with as much things we can do, our life continues to just leak and leak and leak and we will eventually run dry. What rest does, it says, you need to pause. You need to stop. You need to think. You need to consider. Where is your life leaking? It might be leaking from some overwork, but it might also be leaking from all of the good things that you're chasing, all the good things that you're doing. When was the last time you paused and considered, man, it's a good thing, but perhaps we need to rest. Perhaps we need to stop. Because if we're always saying yes, it means we're saying no to something else, right? Every time we say yes to something, we're inadvertently saying no to something else. And what rest does, it's not saying you need to say no to everything and not do anything, but what rest does for us is it gives us time to pause and to consider, am I chasing that purpose? Am I truly following Jesus like I want to? Is my family being raised up to honor and love Christ? Am I pursuing relationships well? Am I, am I valuing my relationship with Jesus over everything else? That's what rest does. We are limited. And every time we say yes, it's opening up another spot in our life for us to leak. But rest says, slow down, pause, think, Consider, where might you be leaking that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 500 years from now, you might have wished you plugged that hole every so often. Here's kind of three keys from rest I want us to end with this morning. Number one, or the first thing, is that rest is intentional. Rest is an intentional thing. It's not an accidental thing. Look at Jesus. He intentionally took a nap. He intentionally withdrew. Jesus wasn't like, oh, it's been a couple weeks. Oh, well, yeah, I guess we're just time to rest. Look what we're doing. We're just kind of hanging out, swinging in a, in a hammock, sipping on a Mai Tai. It's that time, you know, look at it. It just happened. No, no. Rest is always intentional. Sometimes we have to plan it. Sometimes we have to intentionally say no to something so that we can just rest. You see, rest isn't, I'm going to say no to this laundry list of things so that I can say yes to all of these things over here. Rest is saying, I'm going to say no to this so that I can pause, take a breather, catch up in life. Think about, though, the things that you give up rest or sleep for from time to time. Because you, you know, sometimes we give up sleep for work to catch up on that project or that deadline. I mean, sometimes we might give up Jesus to catch up on sleep or to catch up on life. I give up sleep to take care of my family because I love them, but think about that. Have you ever paused to consider the things that we give up rest for that we might not even realize? There's a great book called Liturgy of the Ordinaries by Tish Harrison Warren, and she has this amazing quote on her chapter about rest. Listen to this quote. It says, the truth is, and this might be you because I know it was certainly me, kind of convicted me a little bit here, is the truth is I'm far more likely to give up sleep for entertainment than I am for prayer. When I turn on Hulu late at night, I don't consciously think, I value this episode of Parks and Rec more than my family, more than my prayer, or more than my own body. But my habits reveal and shape what I love and I value, whether I care to admit it or not. 
Here's kind of the question I feel like it poses. If rest is supposed to be intentional, I want to ask you, what do you say no to to catch up on life? Like if I said it's been a long weekend for you, it's been a long week, it's been a full month, and you were just go, 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 go. What's the first thing that you think to take a break from in order to catch up? Is it to take a break from that that trip, to take a, a break from that event, to take a break from that team, to take a break from, from just kind of always being on the go? Or do we take a break from going to church? Do we take a break from serving? Do we take a break from getting up to spend time with Jesus? There's a pastor by the name of Peter Schizero. He's got a book called The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And he says this. It's one of the most profound things I've ever heard. And one of the most profound things I've ever learned. He says it so simply. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is say no. What do you tend to say no to or cut when you want to catch up in life so that you can rest? Second thing, I believe that rest requires a disconnect. Rest requires a disconnect. Now that can mean a disconnect from work. That can mean a disconnect from your phone. But I think that also can mean a disconnect from life. That can mean a disconnect from friends for a day or for a week. It can mean a disconnect from a whole lot of different things, pursuing that image. It can mean a disconnect from getting that project done. It can mean a disconnect from a whole variety of things, but rest intentionally requires us to choose what we disconnect from so that we can focus, slow down, pause to ask ourselves, am I pursuing my purpose well? Now, perhaps you, maybe, maybe you need to disconnect from that phone and you need to turn it off for, for a day or a half a day on Saturdays or Sunday to let your mind go to rest. Maybe you need to disconnect from life and take a nap and just say, God, the world doesn't revolve around me. It's okay to take a nap sometimes. Maybe you need to just disconnect, though, from life in general. That project you've been working on, it can wait an extra week. Those friends that you spend all that time with, guess what? They're going to be there next month next week, tomorrow? What do you need to disconnect from so that you can rest? Because sometimes I think we're quick to say, I'm gonna disconnect from work, and that's great, and a lot of us probably need to consider that. But if we disconnect from one thing and reconnect in a bunch of other things, we're still not resting. That's because the holiness of rest comes at the expense of being unproductive. Here's the last thing that I think rest leads us to, is that without rest, your purpose will always be one step ahead. That without rest, your purpose is always gonna be slightly out of reach. Do you ever feel like you go on vacation and that last travel day, you try to get the extra six hours of vacation in and you, or you take the late flight home and you get home late on Sunday evening and then you got to, oh my goodness, I got to go to work. And it almost feels like you got a vacation from your vacation. You ever been there? That, that without rest, your purpose might always kind of feel like that. That I feel like I'm chasing a lot of things. I feel like I'm doing a lot of good things. I feel like I'm accomplishing things. But why do I feel like my purpose is always one step ahead? That's because slowing down, resting, is the key to running harder, faster, and longer in the kingdom of God. It is the key to chasing down our purpose, to doing good that glorifies God. 
As we wrap up this morning's message, I invite you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 46. If you go to the middle of your Bible, this is a psalm um, that really talks about, and there's this, such a powerful verse in verse 10, the intentionality of rest that we are called to cultivate as followers of Christ. In Psalm chapter 46, verses 8 through 11, read this along with me. It says, come and see what the Lord has done. Not what we have done, but the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Would you pray with me as we continue to worship this morning? God, we praise you for your word. We praise you for your goodness. We praise you that you are in control and we are not. Lord, may we take serious that call to Sabbath, that call to rest. And may we see it as an opportunity to be recharged, to chase after you and the purpose to do good that glorifies you. God, for some of us, give us the strength, the courage, the boldness to stop saying yes to everything, to filling our schedules, trying to squeeze every aspect of life, going from one thing to another. But may we see the beauty and the discipline of finding rest with you. We give this day to you. It's your name that we pray. Amen.